Have you ever been tempted to give up or check out in your walk with God? Have you been at a place in life's journey where you felt overwhelmed and overshadowed by life's obstacles, setbacks, or heartaches? It could be you are at such a place right now, a place where you are hungering for hope. If so, then Hope Along the Journey podcast is a ministry of encouragement created specifically with you and others just like you in mind. And now, here is your host, Mark Cravens, to share a word of encouragement with you today. Thank you for listening to today's Hope Along the Journey podcast. Hi, I'm Mark Cravens, the podcast host, and we're delighted that you have joined us for today's podcast. I have with me here in the studio to record today, Melissa Robinson. Melissa, welcome to today's podcast. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, Melissa is a quality inspector. And what's the name of that company again? Atricure. Atricure. And so what kind of what is a quality inspector anyway? Uh, we inspect incoming components to go into the devices that we build. Okay. Great. So it's a pretty important job. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, thanks for coming right straight from work. You came here, and I know you're probably tired, but I really appreciate you stopping by to record today. But something mo far more exciting than that is, is that you're involved in jail ministry, and you've been working for six years at the Middletown City Jail here in Middletown, Ohio. And you told me that you're just getting ready to start uh, working in the Butler County jail system, ministering to women who are in the jail. Are you excited about this? Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited because the journey actually started 12 years ago. It took me six to break into it Wow! when God called me. So that's great. Yeah, it's very exciting. That's great. Well, I want to hear about that. I, when As we get toward the end of the podcast, I want to want you to talk a little bit about that, but you've got a story to share today. Now, before we share the story, I just want to say to parents who might have small children that it could be some of the content on the podcast today might be something that you may or may not be comfortable with your little children hearing. So just letting you know that, give you a heads up. But again, we're so glad that you're here today, Melissa, and that you're here to tell your story. So take us to the turbulent teenage years of your life. And as you told me earlier, it was that time when your life began to unravel and you began to make some poor choices in life. So take us on this journey of, of where it all began to where you are today by God's grace. Okay, so when I was a teenager, while everybody else I knew were dating and you know, going out and having good times with their boyfriends, I was perplexed because I didn't have those feelings. I felt that way towards girls. Mm -hmm. And it was it was a fight within myself because I didn't want to feel that way. But I accepted it mm -hmm. finally instead of fighting it. Um, little did I know that was the wrong path completely. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> for years... You know, I would end up in relationships that were abusive and, you know, it's, it's just wrong because so many people, when, when you're walking in that lifestyle, they're messed up and you're messed up and then you get two people together and two messed up people together is a hot mess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot of drama. Yeah, you know, 
I, I think one of the reasons why I want I know one of the reasons why I wanted you on the podcast today was because, you know, the world is sending a message out that people that get caught up into that lifestyle, that it's a, it's a very happy lifestyle, that it's a very, that, you know, people who are involved in it are just as happy as people who are involved in heterosexual relationships. But as you've shared with me in the past, and as I'd like for you to, to talk a little bit about today, that's really not the way the situation is. Isn't that true? Yes, it's true. I mean, on, on the surface, everybody may think that it's the same as heterosexual, but it's really not. It's all a facade. Mm -hmm. There's always something. There's always control. There's most of the time drugs and alcohol involved. Mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of abuse. You name it, it's it's bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just somebody always wanting to control you. In the meantime, they're always looking over their shoulder, the next best thing coming. So yeah. it, it's not, and, and you're always fighting because, of course, now I know why, because that wasn't spiritually correct for me, mm -hmm. for anybody. That's mm -hmm. not the way God intended it to be. So you're always going to be fighting. Because mm -hmm. you're fighting against the way God initially designed us as humans to live and the relationship that, that he called us to. So how many years did this go on, and, and, and what, what all was kind of taking place during that time? So I lived that lifestyle for 22 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as, as I was living this, because of my feelings, I felt like I was born that way. Mm -hmm. I really felt that way because I could remember stuff, you know, from way back when, when I was a child, that maybe I was more masculine or just whatever. I just always felt like I was born that way. And now, you know, society even tells you that mm -hmm. you're born that way. Mm -hmm. You can't, it's like having blue eyes or curly hair. Right. But right. I, I was talking to a man I worked with and he was a Christian and he was asking me about it. And I mm -hmm. said, why well, was, I was born this way. He's like, no, that's, that's a lie. And so he just kept questioning me and kept questioning me. And we got to the, he said, when, what's the first memory? You know, how old were you when, when you can remember? And I said, probably five. I would say five. And he said, what happened at five that makes you remember? And it was, um, I was being babysitted, and my babysitter's husband molested me and my sister. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's what it was. You were fine before that happened. God made you perfect. And that man changed your mind. And so I became afraid of men. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was my defense was instead of being with men, I'd be with women. I didn't know that. Right. You know, consciously, right. I didn't know that. But that's what I was doing. Okay. And um, so by him telling me that, that gave me hope that if I was fine when I was born, that I could be fine again. Okay. So that started my journey towards the Lord. Okay. So tell us a little bit and about that journey, because I think oftentimes we, we want to just be able to like flip a switch or something to happen instantaneous, which by, and I'm not at all ruling out that God can do something instantaneously at all, but what did your journey look like of moving out of that lifestyle and, and moving into what you believed to be a biblical 
pattern for your life? What did that look like? Well, immediately I didn't start going to church. I, I kind of chewed mm-hmm. on what he had to say for a while, okay. you know. But um, every time I would visit my aunts in West Virginia, they would always encourage me to go to church with them. And okay. sometimes I would go and sometimes I wouldn't. It just depended. And um, it was one Easter Sunday I went. And it was actually a year before I gave my heart to the Lord. I went and I was ready to go. But honestly, the pastor was condemning. He was being very condemning mm-hmm. towards the homosexual lifestyle. And it, it, it felt like condemnation to me. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go. I didn't go to the altar. You know, that's, that's a valid point you just brought up there because this is a discussion as a pastor I have with other pastors, and that is how do you, how do you confront the lifestyle with the biblical data and information about what God says and yet at the same time not come across in a tone or a way that's harsh and condemning? Because I hear what you're saying, and it breaks my heart that you were ready at that time to find help, but because of the way the pastor came across and approached it, it turns you away from the gospel. How can we as pastors be better in our presentation of on this issue and in reaching out to people who are caught up in that lifestyle? The only thing I know is just to love them. Mm-hmm. Just love them. Just show them love. That's that's what we want. We just want love and, um, you know, like, like my, I had two aunts. I'll just, mm-hmm. I had two aunts. One was very kind to me mm-hmm. and just treated me like a person. The other one didn't want to have nothing to do with talking about my life. Just show interest in them. Mm-hmm. And they know, they know mm-hmm. it's, it's not right. Right. In their heart, they know it's not right. And they know that you, that you, and the church doesn't agree with it. Mm-hmm. They know that. Mm-hmm. But if you show them love and get them in, God will take care of that. That's God great. will take, he will clean all that out and he will show them because mm-hmm. he showed me. Right. You know. And we have to remember too that all of us, though the image is marred, all of us are created in the image of God and that God brought all of us into the world for a, a purpose and a plan. And I think sometimes we forget that while we, while we condemn the sin, we must still love the sinner. We must still show them compassion and understanding. And because if we don't, then they're, then they're not going to listen to us, are they? Mm-mm. No. no, they're going to shut down just like I did. Yeah. So you shut down at that point. And so take us from that point to where the next important spot in in your journey was it was uh, the next year easter sunday the next year 2008 um same church same pastor Mm -hmm. but as soon as i was feeling like i needed to go to the altar i just went i didn't wait i didn't you know i went right at the beginning in the song Mm -hmm. service Mm -hmm. and gave my heart to the lord and and then it was just you know, it wasn't instantaneous. I didn't come up from that altar straight, but mm-hmm. I just said to him, here I am, do with me what you want. Mm-hmm. Take out what is not of you. Help me to see what's not of you. Amen. 
And God meets us right where our point of need is, doesn't he? And begins that process of transforming our lives and and making us into his image. Just a note of clarification, because you and I come from a background, when you talk about going to the altar, some people are like, what in the world is that all about? <laughs> because in a lot of traditions, they don't they don't have a public altar where people who either need to get right with the Lord or have some type of spiritual need that they want to bring to the Lord in prayer go forward to an altar and a service. And you were raised in that tradition. I was raised in that tradition, so I understand that. And understanding that, I think, I think, Lisa, about the incredible, number one, the incredible courage it took for you to step forward. But secondly, how deep that conviction must have been in your heart to where you were just miserable and at the point where you just had to have Jesus Christ in your life. The, the weekend before, the weekend before I went to church, I was at a bar. I was at a gay bar. And I was sitting there watching everybody, just mm-hmm. taking it all in. And, you know, the people that I had known my whole life, some were, you know, ex-girlfriends, some were just friends. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like everybody would break up and then they'd get with somebody else and everybody was friends. And it was just crazy. I was just looking at everything and I was like, there's got to be more to life than this. There mm-hmm. has to be something better than this. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was miserable. And it wasn't just because of my lifestyle. It was everything else, all the sin. Right, right. Um, because, you know, there was, like I mentioned earlier, there was drugs, there was alcohol. There was all this kind of stuff that, that I know most of the people I knew were doing to numb the pain because you feel like you're trapped. Right, right. You have blue eyes or curly hair and you're, you're a lesbian. That's, you're trapped. And so, yeah, to try to get rid of that, because society, back when when I was living that lifestyle, society didn't accept it like they do now. Mm-hmm. It was not. I mean, I remember in school, you know, I came out in, in 12th grade. They sped on me. They threw things at me. It was horrible. Mm-hmm. Wow. But I still went for that lifestyle. Right, right. <laughs> so... When you got up from that altar, Melissa, as as you started your journey as a new Christian, what were some of the what were some of the things that you did or engaged in that began to help you in this transformation that God wanted to bring about in your life? I started reading the Bible for like really the first time, like I did when I was young, but I didn't really understand it. But I started reading the Bible every single day and praying every single day. And it took me a a while to find a church because that was in um, West Virginia where my aunts lived. And um, so when I came back home, I had to search for a church. And I found one about four weeks later. And some of the people that I knew when I was a child still went there. Mm -hmm. So they lifted me up. You know, I didn't tell everybody immediately about my life or anything, but... um, once they did know, they just encouraged me. You know, there was no condemnation. There was, only, there was only love. There was only love, and they were so thankful to see me again because they hadn't seen me since I was 16. Mm-hmm. So that, uh, that love and acceptance, that's a huge thing, isn't it, Melissa? Mm-hmm. Because so many people feel like they're marginalized. They feel rejected, um, and they feel like nobody really cares 
But boy, you know, I, I think about how important that is, especially for a new Christian, to find that environment where there's love and acceptance. Because if we don't find that kind of environment, it's hard to spiritually grow and mm-hmm. become who we need to be, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It sure is. So you got involved with your church. I'm assuming you started attending services. Did, mm-hmm. Were there any like small groups or Bible studies or anything that you began, got involved in in this process and this time? Not really, and not in the beginning. I was just trying to learn my way, trying to feel my way. But it was it was really funny because he like you you hear people say that he restored the years, and he did. He restored my years, like he restored. Um, you know how teenage girls are when they first meet boys or they become interested in boys. They got that giggly, silly. Th- that happened to me. Really? <laughs> yeah, that happened to me. He restored, and I became like a giggling teenage girl. It was so, it was so funny. Yeah, <laughs> the transformation was very real, wasn't it? Very real. Yeah, that's great. So, uh, that would have been how many years ago, Melissa, that you found Jesus Christ? Thirteen. Thirteen years ago, and so. Uh, did you go for any counseling or join any programs or anything? Or did you did you have any, like, support group at the church or friends or ladies or people who just really invested in you during this process and time? Not specifically. Like, I went to a small church, mm-hmm. and everybody was connected with everybody. We were all in I each see. other's okay. business all the time. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like when you say that we were all in each other's business. That's that's the beauty of a small church. It's 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 both the curse and the blessing of it. But it's true, in small churches you can you can connect like that. That's great. And I just let him change me. I let him show me mm-hmm. the things that I, I I remember. Like it was probably four weeks after I got saved, and I was still trying to figure this thing out. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't really know where I was. I didn't know where I fit. Um, because I didn't feel like I was straight, but I didn't feel like I was gay anymore either. But I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. And I was sitting there. I had a picture on my wall of two women. And it just convicted me. So I had to get it out of my house mm-hmm. right now. It had to go. Yeah. That's amazing how God did that transformation in your life. So let's transition to what you're doing today. So now we go from the darkness you were living in, finding Jesus, getting in a church, and now you've been for six years working in the city jail with women. Now tell us all about that. That's exciting, <laughs> Melissa. It is exciting, and I love I love to go in there with those girls. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think when I first started, I thought, I want to be such a blessing to them, which I still do, mm-hmm. but they bless me. That's they beautiful. blessed me so much. Mm-hmm. And um, I always start out because um, sometimes we as as Christians will take on this Christian language that people that aren't Christians don't understand. Our buzzwords, and, right? Yeah. yeah. So I always try to be on their level. Mm-hmm. And I always start out by saying the only difference between you and me is I didn't get caught. Mm-hmm. And that brings me right down with them and they can relate to me, you know. Um I just had a girl, it was like two months ago, Mm -hmm. started out, there was only three of them that came out to listen, 
And as I went, there were more and more and more. So I ended up having all 10 girls out there at the same time. Mm -hmm. And this girl at the end, she was just, she was just so convicted. She so needed God. You could see it all over. And she gave her heart to the Lord. Well, a lot of times we don't know what happens. That's right. You know? mm-hmm. So we just go on and, and we pray for them. But I was at a grocery store and this girl passed me. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't recognize her right away. She mm-hmm. was like, hi. And I once it registered who it was, I chased her down. I'm like, how are you doing? Mm-hmm. She was like, I am doing fantastic. The judge let me out early. And she's like, I don't even know what happened. I said, I know what happened. Mm-hmm. And um, then she said she she got a job making $18 an hour, which that's almost as much as I'm making. I don't even have a record. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. And then she was she was going to church, and she said God completely oh, God. turned her life around. Wow. That sure makes, makes it feel like it's all worth it, doesn't it? It does. You, it does. Yeah. Because oftentimes we do. We those of us in ministry, we sow the seed. We don't always get an opportunity to see uh, the results of that. So that's beautiful. And so you're involved. And in, how many? How often do you go to? The jail? Um, we go once a month. We once have a, a rotating. There's four churches that okay. go. So I okay. represent my church. That's great. That's great. Well, it sounds like God's giving you a passion for doing that, and He's opening more doors. And we'll be praying that. You know, this door will open soon for you to be able to do it in the Butler County jail system. That That's awesome. As we wrap up today, Melissa, uh, there could very well be somebody listening today who's either already caught up in that lifestyle or they're, they're thinking, maybe they're like wading out into the shallow end of it, but they may be listening to what you say today and they say, how do I, how do I get out of this? How, where do I start? What would you say to them, that person today? How did how would you help them to just get started in finding their way? Well, first of all, I want to say there's hope. There's always hope. You know, when that that man told me about you know that I had been molested and that's where things changed, that gave me hope that I could change. Hmm. But I would just encourage you to, you know, give your heart to God and just see what'll happen. Because that's where I was. I was like, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm going to I'm going to see. And it was better. It's so much better life. Praise God. Well, I appreciate your testimony. It's a joy to have you stop by today to share that. And uh, I tell my listeners this often, and I mean it with all my heart, that Jesus Christ, he is the hope of the world. And that it's only if you turn to him that you're going to find the hope you need in life's journey. God bless you, Melissa. God bless the ministry that you're doing. Thank you. And thank you listeners for listening to today's Hope Along the Journey podcast. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you would like to know more about Hope Along the Journey, or if you would like to make a donation to show your support and appreciation for this ministry, then visit our website at hopealongthejourney.org. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again for more hope along the journey.